0: Hey everyone, it's another week of Find Your Film. I am excited. We have two big movies. I'm, I, you know, spoiler alert, I love them both. Love both movies. So we have two bo- big movies to cover this week. I'm excited. Both of us, Bruce Perky has seen it. Eric Holmes has seen it. Are you guys excited to cover these two movies, Bruce Perky? Absolutely. Very excited. It's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be fun. It that sounded very... In- genuine but you disingenuine the bruce of perk hollow i don't know Ooh, that's interesting the bruce of perk i think that has something to do with a movie a movie of the bruce of perk and fat man eric Ooh, fat man eric what does that mean eric holmes is that in reference to a movie we're covering this episode episode it could be it could be it's a jolly name is what it is it's a jolly name it, it is it a, jo- a jolly moniker it might be a jolly good movie right? It might, uh, it might be. It, it might, might be. be,
1: or it might not be. might not be. Might might not be. You have to keep listening to find out. <laughs> well, Lift <keep> hangers. <laughs> After <laughs> this break, we'll tell you. <laughs> Bruce, with, within
0: the last week, have you been watching a, a big part of Find Your Film is we're supposed to give our listeners a handful of really good movie recommendations. Do you have a whole bunch this this week? Have you seen a lot of good stuff?
2: I, I have actually seen a lot of good stuff. I'm, I'm going to bring Apart from the other ones we're going to talk about altogether, I'm going to bring three movies that I think are really good. But I've seen a lot this week because I've been stuck at
0: home. So there you go. Is that the one benefit of being stuck at home, of, of just been, of watching just a ton of stuff? Or does yeah. it get old after old hat after a while?
2: No, I like it. I try to burn through at least a couple a day. Plus, I burned through a miniseries as well, which I never watch. So that's another
0: thing. But I'm not going to review that here. So Okay. We're not, we're not find your TV. Is Is it worth watching, though, the miniseries? Uh, Yeah, if you saw the first season of The Boys, the second season is good. That's it. That's my review. Okay, good, good. You know, before we get to you, Fat Man, Eric, I'm going to say this. I saw The Queen's Gambit a week and a half ago, really loved it. I spent my entire Sunday watching it, binge watching it. I know it's a great show. Have you seen it, Eric Holmes? The Queen's Gambit? No. No. I've forgotten about it now. A week later. It's just because I'm not us. Find your film, guys. We're movie guys. And movies, they give you that shot of adrenaline that you sometimes, if it's a good hit, you never forget about it. Like Fat Man. I wanted to say that right now. Just get throw that first shot out, Fat Man shot out in the air. Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins. Batman, Eric, Eric Holmes. Have you been watching a lot of movies last week?
1: Yeah, I uh, watched a couple of them that we'll talk about and watch a couple more that we won't talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it's clear, but I, I don't. I really hate talking shit about movies. So if, you know, usually if I usually if I see something and I'm like, eh, it, if there's nothing good to say about it, it's usually best to just kind of let it go and, we're not that show, but there's plenty of other shows out that's like that. now that said, that's oh uh, oh there, there there might be some that like we have to watch because of, you know, but you know we're we're not mean spirited here. We'll put it that way okay, good. <laughs> that's yes. true we're not we're not mean spirited, but i i i I thank the
0: heavens that we have Bruce Perky because he will give us a very unfiltered <laughs> candidate because he is <laughs> a, a- c- cinema lover. I need to come up with... I say I need to have a sounder or something when Bruce is like, uh-oh,
2: it's Bruce's hot take. And that little sounder pop in or something. Hot take by Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> something i don't know before
0: we get to our our weekly movie rewind where we hopefully wait do we have a movie rewind where one of us has seen a, a previous movie that the other person has seen you know no no movie rewinds this week before we get into our no story?
1: i i was gonna watch the the diane lane and kevin costner one but it's not out yet so i'll i'll, I'll rewind that pretty soon because oh, I, right. I did hear both your takes on it last week and it, it got me interested <laughs> and then i saw oh, the trailer okay. i'm like I gotta see what this thing's about. So. I guess if it My, is, let, let I it pan a it.
2: movie, people want to watch it. So they should like hire me to pan movies because then people want to watch them.
0: Bruce, worry. what movie? What, what was the movie called? Was it called Let It Go? Please, Let It Go. Let It Go. Let It Go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, no. I liked it more than Bruce. But if you want to listen to, we our we were reviews, pretty close though. We were pretty. We close were very. On that one. We were very close in on that one. Yeah. So were you surprised that I actually did not like it as much as? Uh, yeah. I, I, you know,
2: I. It was one of those I could see it going either way because, it's yeah, we we already covered
0: it. Listen to our last episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now this is a big one. This is okay. First off, let's start off with Mel Gibson. I, I'm a huge Mel Gibson fan. Are, do we both? All three of us agree? Mel Gibson is pretty much high on as far as movie stars go. Uh, Bruce Perky, pretty.
2: He's, he's been, yeah, he's great. He's tons of charisma. He's a great director in his own right, and he's super problematic, but, uh, doesn't keep me from watching Rowan Plansky movies or Woody Allen or Mel Gibson. So it is what it is. That is fair enough. And
0: same with you, Eric, Eric Holmes, pretty high on your list list, as far as Mel Gibson
1: goes. You know, the guy making the hamburgers at McDonald's might be a huge racist, but I'm still going to go there and eat. So, um, (laughs) So I, I, <laughs> racist McDonald's workers look for Eric. <laughs> he would love to have you serve him. <laughs> that that probably came off way bad, but yeah, they, yeah, it's 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 really troublesome. Like with uh, Mel Gibson, obviously with with his past, but dude, he's good. Um, kind of, I, I have the same kind of kind of torn the same way with like the movie Jeepers Creepers. I love that yeah. movie. The the writer director is a pedophile, and yeah, so,
2: it's true. Yeah.
1: I love I, I love uh I love uh, uh Valkyrie and I love a lot of Brian singers movies but you know he's got allegedly I think we have to say allegedly with him um but yeah I mean well, they, it, it, it's weird people have their past and they do despicable things but at the same time I mean, it's like, an age-old Oh, go ahead. It's
2: it's an age-old question, right? I mean, separating the art from the artist. And I totally uh, understand people that are like, hey, I won't support anything they do. That's oh, it. Oh, yeah. Or maybe they'll say, um, like, one one thing I've heard people say, like, because, you know, Polanski's made some great movies, but obviously he's got a. But, I mean, people say, like, okay, but I won't go see a new movie of his in the theater. I'll just buy a used copy of his DVDs or do something like that or some kind of workaround that makes you feel internally okay with it. But either way, I mean, there's artists throughout history that I am sure have some pretty heinous pasts. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you and know they're what? They're, it's hard to um, say
0: this, but sometimes your own demons and proclivities or aberrations and let's just say just some of that darkness feeds into the work. That's the yeah. that's the bottom line. I mean, Manhattan, my favorite Woody Allen film, Oof, it's yeah. very problematic. It's <laughs> yeah. but it's beautifully shot. It's a very it's an illegal romance, but it's well written and it's a great film. It's a, it's a well, great Ethan film, you know. Even yeah.
2: Rosemary's baby, Greg, which you haven't seen. Um <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen that movie, you'd really know how that relates to some of his problems,
1: but I guess you don't know that. <laughs> I, I think I think where my line is personally, and, yeah. and like it, you know, there there's some wiggle room for sure. I think my line would be like cannibal holocaust would be a good example. Yeah. I, I saw the movie, didn't know, and then I did know like that they were actually torturing animals. And I, ju- I just can't do it because but, I, I I like watching violence in movies, but I like to appreciate the special effects when they're actually doing it. It's like, oh, it's kind of... But
2: to me, that's like, that's judging the art, right? You're judging the art there. So the, the, the filmmakers could be the greatest yeah. people in the world, but the art could be despicable itself. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wouldn't want to support art that is actually abusing, you know,
1: people or... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So but then, but then I watch porn too. And so, I mean, they look like they're having a good time, but I don't know. I don't know. I I guess when it, when it's like the, the real life, the thing that I hate is actually on screen for real. That's probably where I get turned away. And, but, but then again, you, you know, it might be a case where it's a documentary and that's the point of it. I didn't see cuties, but I guess, I guess there's, I'm going to be talking about shit I don't know about. So I'm, I'll stop there. But yeah, there, I mean, there's there's lines, but that line is thin and it moves sometimes. And yeah. I don't know. But yeah, in short, Mel Gibson is talented as, as hell as an actor, as a director. So what can you do? And if you don't like him, I get it. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you on it.
0: Well, okay, the reason why w- I'm excited that we're we're reviewing Fat Man right now. By the way, Fat Man, it's a movie which has Mel Gibson playing Chris Kringle, aka Santa Claus this time out. It's not a innocuous holiday film. Santa Claus is having financial problems. He he brings trillions and trillions of dollars of business, but he cannot—he can't afford to uh, keep the light bulb on. So there's some kind of corruption going on with the U.S. governments or maybe the governments across the world. How come they can't subsidize Santa Claus? And so when we see Santa, aka Fat Man, aka Mel Gibson playing Fat Man slash Santa Claus, he is in a very bad state. He he has a loving wife played by Marianne Jean Baptiste, and he has people who really. Love him, his elves, his worker bees. They they love him, they're loyal to him, but he has no money. And he needs, he feels like he has to compromise himself to uh and, and actually outsource, not outsource, actually have some of his workers work for the U.S. government to actually, you know, get a check, get a big check to help next Christmas work to go through. So that's sort of the premise of Fat Man. But the real interesting kind of misdirection is the actual plot of. Of Fat Man is he puts a lump of coal into a spoiled rich kid's present, and this rich kid decides to hire a contract killer played by justified slash the hateful eight-star Walton Goggins to track Santa Claus down in the North Pole and ultimately kill him. That's the premise of Fat Man. It's a Mel Gibson headline movie. What I really enjoyed. By the way, this movie is directed by Esham Nems and Ian Nems. I really love their 2017 film small town crime have any of you guys seen small town crime with john hawks anthony anderson robert forster clifton collins jr excellent excellent movie i wish it was still on netflix this is one of those movies remember we got we were talking about how much we both love the death of dick long this is one of mm-hmm. small town crime is one of those movies it's a it, it's a noir it's a murder mystery but it has a, it it goes a little bit hybrid e on it, mm. and I really thought it was a really fresh take on the genre. And Fat Man to me, it just seemed like it, it was an interesting movie. I, I, I'm a huge Gibson fan, and I love the showdown, the inevitable showdown at the end. I'm a big Walton Goggins fan, and a big chunk of the movie just has him trying to track down Santa Claus, which I think a lot of people will say, this is not just a Santa Claus movie. This is. This is a hitman movie and there there will be complaints, but I actually love that part. Now let's go to you, Bruce Perkey. Your overall thoughts on, on Fat Man. Did it work yes. for you? Did it not uh, work?
2: Uh did you hit my sounder? Is my sounder gonna come in here? So I watched it before you two. One of the first things I wrote down as a note was the worst movie I've seen in 2020. Wow. The worst movie I've seen. The in 2020. worst movie you've I seen. hated just about everything in this movie. So you saw you saw Tesla, right? <laughs> I did. Tesla was better. The painted Gee. bird, better.
0: Tenant, better. Whoa! I hated to think of, so trying, much. Um, this movie so much.
2: This movie, I I wrote the other note. I wrote was
0: unsuccessful mess Capone, in every Capone. in every aspect of film. Capone, Capone I didn't see it. Great. Didn't see it. I love Capone too. Hey, by the way, I love Capone. So it just it was it was a mess. It was incoherent for you. It just didn't. And the biggest sin of all. Well, first of
2: all, it wasn't funny. I don't know. I don't know what it was supposed to be. Was it supposed to be funny?
0: Yeah, I thought it was. I thought was was it supposed to be action? I I love the action. That little
2: uh, was it supposed to be
0: satire? Yeah, Yeah. I mean the corporatization of uh, of of consumer the consumerism part with taking over the beauty of Christmas. No, it just did. Oh, anything good to say about terrible zero? Um, No, I didn't. I didn't give it zero stars. So
2: so it had a few things. I mean it. It was shot clearly. Um, the sound, <laughs> the sound mixing was audible. The acting was, it was fine. I mean, okay. Mel Gibson was fine. Jean
0: yeah, Baptiste,
2: yeah. Jean Baptiste was the shining thing in this movie. But they yeah. gave her nothing to do except be the the wife of Mel Gibson. She was just mm-hmm. kind of the the doting wife, you know. She had one thing to do towards the end, which I won't talk about. But even mm-hmm. that didn't make any sense within the logic of the movie. And the biggest problem with the movie. Now, here's the biggest sin of this movie. Okay, it was boring. It like showed all the wrong parts of the story. Like, okay, it's an early thing. And right. then I'll let you guys talk. Cause I know everyone's going to probably like it better than I did, but there's an early time when he comes back from delivering the presents. Right. Yeah, And he's been shot and I'm like, okay, well that's different. We didn't see any of that. We never saw him deliver presents. I don't think we ever even saw the sleigh. We saw the reindeer mm-hmm. and then like the whole thing with Walter, his character, so he had all these things are supposed well, to make guys. him like quirky and interesting, right? But we don't understand them. Like he has a hamster he brings with him. Okay, why? What is the point of it? It's just to be quirky. This this struck me as somebody who loves Coen Brothers movies and doesn't understand why they're
0: good. Wow! Oh, <laughs> I <laughs> that is that you. I, I I gave you credit, Bruce. That is a tough review. I you know I end cats. I, this is cats for twenty twenty. The cats for 2020. cats for. Tw- <laughs> Body blow, body blow. Eric Holmes, let's let recover. Say
1: something. What are your What are your thoughts? Where do you land on this? I was on the complete opposite spectrum of everything Bruce said. I hated it, so it. much. Uh, first of all, I love the passion, Bruce. By the way, I love the passion. Uh, on this. First of all, bold statement claiming it's worse than Tesla, but uh, I Everybody wants to a, rule the world.
2: It's, it's close. <laughs> I think okay. I, I, let me just—I'll clarify and let you talk. The only reason it's worse than Tesla is—is this had like I am always more upset with a movie that had so much more going for it, yeah. And this movie had so much more going for it and still fell, whereas Tesla was so low, you know, that it didn't have much to it could do with it other than you know Ethan. So anyway, I'll stop. Okay, Eric Holmes. Uh, All right. So I, I
1: gotta I gotta refigure my brain. <laughs> I I knew you didn't like it that much, but then oh man. So yeah, Fat Man, quite a great movie, I thought. Uh fun well, not not a great movie, but when, I don't know what that says. Uh, I'm trying to show you where I wrote worst of 2020. <laughs> okay. But uh yeah, I, I like this one a lot. It kind of uh the things I liked about it was it kind of committed to its silliness while also committing to the fact that it's a it's a uh assassin movie you know it's a yeah. it's a thriller but but they don't uh shy away um a good comparison and on the opposite end of the spectrum is the man who killed hitler and then the bigfoot yeah it's got such a silly title but the problem i had with that is that that movie took itself too seriously and it didn't really uh according you know it, uh, they're screaming over there so par- pardon me for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're, they really like <laughs> they're watching fat man they're watching fat man save them but uh the uh, uh the man who killed hitler and then the bigfoot they never really they never really like Took control of the silliness of it. It it was just all It was all serious, and it's like uh, I'm a stoic man, and uh, yeah, I've got the old Bigfoot, and I got to, that movie. That movie was more
0: of a sentimental, nostalgic movie. I I liked. I ended up liking it because of that. But yeah, I I could see the. A lot of people didn't like it because of it didn't yeah, go yeah. for that
1: silliness. Well, so it, at least according to me, and not everyone because Bruce <laughs> obviously doesn't agree. But what I liked about Fat Man was. It took certain aspects serious, but it also knew that its premise was stupid. I mean, it it has a stupid premise. I just happen to like it, and it didn't really shy away from that. It it kind of of leaned into that at certain points and then went back and kind of... uh, To me, it was a good balance. I hate comparing anything to Gremlins because it's the greatest movie ever made, but gremlins kind of does that thing where it's like oh we're comedy now we're gonna nail the comedy we're drama now we're gonna nail the drama we're christmas you know so on and so forth i thought fat man did this quite well when it was uh supposed to be thrilling and violent it was thrilling and violent. when it was supposed to be silly it was silly and what's the uh the mrs claus's name yeah Marianne Jean baptiste i you. fuck i love her I loved okay. her in this movie. Absolutely mm-hmm. loved her, and I, I think uh, Bruce actually agrees with that. I do. Um, yeah. I, as far as far as performance wise, and I actually liked her character mm-hmm. a lot because, to Bruce's point, she didn't have much to do early on. But I, I just got a... I, I always got a real warmth, yeah. a lot of warmth from her. Yeah. I, almost to the point where I wanted to reach through the screen and just give her a big hug and go, I love you so much. Please please hang out with me, and uh and there's a, there comes a point at the end that you know we won't spoil. I wanted to see a movie about her. I wanted mm. certain things to happen. Have fat man too? Well, I, I wouldn't. Oh, call it I got. Fat I know you. Mm. But I I want to see a movie about her character because, to Bruce's point, she didn't have much to do. But and maybe this is her performance. I got the sense that there's more to her character than the movie lets on. And I want to see more about that character. I want to see where she came from. I want to see where she goes from here on out. And, uh, and Walton Goggins character. I mean, I I love Walton Goggins and everything. I love, yeah, I love. And, and that there's little moments with him that I really liked, especially when he's doing the road trip and they do that quick cut of him flipping through the different music that he's listening to. I think I mentioned on our, uh, (laughs) on our thread, you know, off air that, That's my road trip playlist. (laughs) Like the stuff he was playing is like, all right, we're gonna listen to punk. Okay, we're gonna listen to metal. Okay, we're gonna listen to Air Supply. Okay, we're gonna listen to country. All right, we're gonna listen to talk radio. Yep, there we go. And as they were, so yeah, there were little moments like that. And then there was the well, I'll I'll let you do the line, Greg, if you want. I didn't know what you were talking about at first until you mentioned it, and (laughs) that. I, I didn't know right away until you mentioned it. I'm like, oh yeah, I did I did pick out that line. And it's just uh, a funny line. It's a random yeah. line. There's it has one of my all time favorite movie lines. And I I I don't even think it would be funny if we said it because it's kind of it kind of yeah. works with because it, it builds up to that punchline. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. The, I mean, this is uh, the this isn't not going to be my favorite movie of the year, but this is definitely something I'll probably watch every Christmas from here on out. It's oh, kind of like the uh. Absolutely. Kind of like that. What, what was the one with uh, Kurt Russell's Santa Claus? Ooh, Kurt oh, Russell's. yeah. I remember that one. That was, uh, you know, it, it's nothing. It, it's not, you know, it's not the greatest movie ever made, but it's it's exactly what I thought it was going into it. Yeah. And for me, Fat Man is the same thing. I kind of got a sense of, you know, watching the trailer, like, I think I know what this is. And I watch it. I'm like, yep, this is exactly what this is. And I, you know, I love it. So I'm 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 on the complete opposite end of Bruce. I'm I'm a
0: complete I I love this movie. I four started on my review. I it was to Bruce in defense of Bruce's review. I this movie is totally random. It's just a totally random film, and you can take it both ways. Both ways are valid. You can really love the random what the F is going on here moment. I mean, there's that one sequence like where we're talking yeah. about where, where Skinny Man is just shopping for clothes and that's just... Most people say this is a useless scene but I loved every single nonsensical part of this movie. So that was just my ultimate take. I, I ended up really falling in love with, with man. I This is one of those movies I could continue to watch over and over again but... I would tell people
1: it's not going to be for everybody. So, quick question though: when when was this movie filmed? Like mm-hmm. I know I, I know it hasn't come out yet, but was it filmed this year? It was probably because last year, I'm thinking maybe last because year. because Ben Shapiro looks really really young in this movie is the kid <laughs> oh <laughs> very very good very very funny and uh yeah fat oh bruce
0: you're gonna have the last say on fat man any any other things you want to say about oh fat i man? just just that this kind of
2: proves the point that like so we talked about gremlins which is a really good comparison where if if a movie really kind of tries to do a lot of things and it works for you it's like the best you know what i mean or if it doesn't work for you in those ways then it's a mess i mean it's the same movie you know, for me, it's a mess because none of the parts worked. Like the humor didn't work, the action didn't work, the the randomness didn't work. But if, if they did work for you, then it's an awesome
0: mix. You know. So you know, Bruce. Some sometimes these are the movies I love to talk about because there is such a wide just there's just chasm yeah. of just. You either love it or you hate it. These type of movies. I I just love talking about this kind of
2: stuff. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's like we talked about with comedy. I mean, essentially this is a comedy, right? I mean, you would say, I would say at its core, it's a comedy and comedy and horror are the two most subjective ways to get if, if you do not vibe with whatever form that's hitting, you're pretty much going to be out. You know what I mean? Like, whether it's, uh you know, I don't know, pick, pick your comedian that you like, you know, Poly Shore, if Poly Shore is not your thing, you're probably not going to like any Poly Shore movie, you know, <laughs> but if he is, you're probably going to like him. So there's going to be that love hate almost built into those kind of movies.
1: I think so. I think also like, uh you know, different differing opinions, like this kind of illustrates, like I give Tesla, sh- you know, a lot of shit as I believe we all do. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, just because we hate him, <laughs> Just because we hate a movie, there's someone that saw Tesla and that just, yeah, I don't understand. That movie's fucking awesome. And that's well, completely valid. And my attitude
2: always is with all reviews. And this is from other people too. It's like, I will tell you why I didn't like it. Yeah. So you can at least hopefully have an idea that, oh, that doesn't sound like that's for me. Or, hey, that actually, like, how many times have I reviewed something bad? And you're like, that sounds great. I want to go watch that <laughs> Most movie. Most times. You know? which, is great, which is good, too, because then at least uh, you're getting the information. That's really the point, right? And then yeah. it's just a matter of of letting the person, like, vibe with you or not vibe with you. That's what I used to love about, like, Cisco and Ebert, you know, love them or hate them. I usually knew, with depending on how they were viewing a movie, whether it was a movie I wanted to still go see. And they hated movie, I, mean, I think they remember they hated, hated Blue Velvet. I was like, I gotta go see that movie, you know? And I loved it. But I mean, I can see why people don't. So...
0: Alright, so Fat Man, it's in select theaters November 13th. It hits... <laughs> I hear some echoing from Bruce. I'm not Uh a good sound mixer, so your voice is gonna show up, Bruce Perky. (laughs) And it's on demand and on digital, November seventeenth. I loved it. Eric Holmes uh, really enjoyed it as well. He's gonna watch it every year. And Bruce Perky had a different opinion. It was um, quote unquote his uh, the worst movie of 2020. So that is our so far the year is young. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the year the year is young and i you know what i don't know if this will make you want to see small town crime or maybe never ever see it hopefully one day bruce and eric you will come across that 2017 movie small town crime a very interesting indie noir from the nelms brothers all right so we're next up before we get to bruce and and eric's picks we have one more movie that's coming out this week On Netflix, it's called The Life Ahead. It's headlined by Sophia Loren. And Bruce, I'm going to start with you first. Do you, I think, growing up, were you a Sophia Loren fan? Have you seen a lot of her movies? Because I like to consider myself a a cinephile, but this is a total blind spot for me regarding the movies of Sophia Loren. I just remember one movie she was in called Operation Crossbow that I saw maybe when I was seven or eight. But other than that, I'm clueless. You must have seen, uh, was it one of the Grumpy Old
2: Men? She was in that, I think. Never grumpy did see old any man. of those. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I've seen a fair amount of movies with her. I remember her catching my eye, so to speak, in, um, what was the movie that used to be called? It, it used to be a movie show out, and you probably remember this, in the 70s or 80s. It was called, like, That's Entertainment or something weird like that. Okay. And it had this. That's Entertainment. Yeah, I remember that. Maybe that's what it was called. And it had this opening um, montage of like Jaws and all this stuff. And it had Sophia Loren in it as well. That's it. That's it. Yeah. From, I think the boy and the dolphin and, and you can go look up the pictures, but it, it caught my eye
1: (laughs) (laughs) as a a youth, as a youth, (laughs) as a
2: a youthful young man. I was (laughs) like, Oh, well, hello, Sophia Loren. (laughs) Nice to meet you. But, um, she's, she's, um, I mean, she's an icon now. I mean, what can you say about her? She's, She's still acting at how old is she now? Like 80 in her 80s, 89 Um, around that.
0: Yeah, she's probably she's uh Eric Holmes. Have you seen this? Have you ever seen a Sophia Loren
1: film? Or no, I didn't. um, She's kind of uh one of those people, uh, like uh Carol Channing is a good example where I know the name, and in fact, watching this, I didn't even know it was her until I looked it up. I'm like, oh, that's Sophia Loren. okay. And you mentioned uh, Grumpy Old Man. I've seen those, so clearly mm-hmm. I've seen her. But I feel like she was in the I, second I, one. Yeah, I, 86, I, think I, I think I know the name more than the person, if that makes sense. Okay.
0: Well, she's 86 and The Life Ahead. It is an interesting movie. It's It uh, comes out this week on Netflix. It's directed by Eduardo Ponti. Eduardo Ponti mm-hmm. is her son. And here's a brief synopsis of The Life Ahead. It hits... Again, it hits theaters. I mean, it hits Netflix November 13th on Friday. In Seaside, Italy, a Holocaust survivor with a daycare business, Madame Rosa, played by Sophia Loren, takes in 12-year-old, 12-year-old street kid, Momo, the boy who recently robbed her. The two loners become each other's protectors, anchoring an unconventional family. Now, first off, before we get to you, Bruce, on your initial thoughts, your thoughts on the life ahead, I ended up, Solid experience for me. I've, it's been a week since I've seen it. It's not a four-star, excellent, great movie like Fat Man, um, but but it's this is a 3.5, meaning I recommend it. One of the big reasons why I recommend The Life Ahead as a solid watch is you think it's going to be this weepy drama where it's just so overly emotional and you're supposed to get your Kleenex and it's going to incite some tears, but the director Eduardo Ponte, he just I think he just wanted to tell a good story between two just separate people bonding for a moment in time. I I just thought it was a I felt it was a real earnest film that didn't play the cheap card of sentimentality. So Bruce just thought your thoughts on the life ahead. Worst movie of (laughs) twenty no. I'm
2: pretty much right in line with you on this. I was also worried that it was going to get a, a veer into crazy sentimentality. And I think it teeters on the edge. There's a few spots where it's, uh, it almost goes there. But I think overall, it stays grounded, and it really stays the characters and it lets them be um, realistic. And we didn't mention his name, but uh, Ibrahima Gueye, Gueye, I believe is the boy. Nailed it if he doesn't work yeah thank you (laughs) if he doesn't work in this movie this movie doesn't work because Sophia is is great she's solid but he is the heart of this movie and he has to do quite a bit of acting and he's i would we say is like 11 maybe in this movie something like that 12
0: yeah he's a he's a presence he's and that character of Momo, he's a, a street kid. He's tough. He 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 has his his past, but I think it, he's it's a really well developed character, and it feels yeah. like it feels like a real a real person. It, it doesn't. It, it this movie doesn't go for the cheap stuff. Eric Holmes, your thoughts on the Life
1: Ahead? Uh, yeah, I I like this one. The this one was kind of a like a bummer for me, um, because it it was uh, well, first of all, let's talk about the title of the Life Ahead. That horrible title for a movie because yeah. I, I I was thinking of the movie uh, Swimming with Sharks uh, with Kevin Spacey and uh, Frank Whaley where uh, they're uh, they're talking about they're passing the script around and the script's called Real Life and then Kevin Spacey does it Real Life are, like are you kidding me like with that title like call it literally anything else this is kind of like that the that, uh, the movie's a lot better than the title uh, suggests because the life is kind of shit title but uh the i mean the, I, I guess there's kind of a story it's more like it's more like uh you got characters in a situation and you just kind of see how the situation plays out and it gets really sad but it gets really uplifting sometimes and uh who's the uh am i crazy or was that a transactor I, oh I, right yeah, the yeah. uh the female or I I, I don't want to speak more than that because I'll probably say yeah, I I thing, don't you,
0: specifically know. I am thinking it might be an actor playing a trans.
1: The, all all the actors were great. Sophia Loren yeah, yeah. was great and this was like the first time I was like cuz I I looked it up I'm like who is she? Oh, Sophia. Oh, okay, I've heard of her. Yeah, she's really great in this. Uh as you said the the main kid is everyone is great in this and then that uh trans actor Really stood out to me. Yeah, like kind of, kind of similar to uh, Mrs. Claus and Fat Man. I I, w- I wish I knew their name, but yeah, they were really great, and I I would have liked to see more. Yeah, you know, it, Eric,
0: to your point, this movie could have had the whole right Bruce, this whole oh look at we're in a we're in this complex, and oh we're so eccentric and we're colorful and we do mm-hmm. all these really wacky, wild, crazy things, but oh hey, we're an extended family, and look at us. And yeah. this movie refuses to do that. Um, um, you said my teeter a little bit, right? But I, I just a
2: little, but I think it doesn't ever fall into it all the way. I, I would understand. say it's like, for example, like none of the characters are all good or all bad. Like you could see the stereotypical version of this oh. where where Momo's the the kind of the criminal side of things that he gets into could be shown as just all bad, but it's not. It's not shown as a positive influence necessarily, but it's not shown as something that really like really hurts him that much you yep. know what i'm saying and that's really interesting uh or one other little small point, and it's not a spoiler at all but there's a point where he discovers the tattoo on her arm and you're like okay here comes the holocaust stuff right yep. and he asks her about it and she just kind of brushes him off and it never really gets discussed in detail yeah like and- we know what it means and he doesn't and she's like uh that's from a long time ago
1: and i think you- that was amazing all right and hey th- no there's no a- there's a, a-, a- real quick i there's a lot of that in this movie so I, again i mentioned the trans actor she's just a character she's not high. i'm a trans they never bring it up once and if they did yeah. i missed it um with yeah, the yeah. like you said with the holocaust you see the tattoo and that's the last to bring up I'll, and and then there was this weird uh there was this weird kind of hinting at a racist part but they kind of blew by it where uh, oh you're trying to hook me and Madame rosa up aren't you and it's like yeah and it's like Oh, that's not going to happen. I'm Jewish. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, and and then so there's uh, what, what was the movie we were talking about? The the watch list or the, mm-hmm. the yeah. And so with this one is kind of similar in that I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of like a social or things that make sense to people in that area that probably I'm, I I certainly didn't pick up on. Definitely that that I'm Jewish line. I mean, I got that it was kind of racist, but I, I I think that has more to do with the the, the culture. culture. That yeah, in. the culture. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I'm I'm guessing I I really I really wonder what this movie feels like to someone that's steeped in that culture and knows a lot about it. Right. If maybe they don't say the things because it's like, yeah, we know, we know, move along. We we've heard the story before. <laughs> Where you got people like us who aren't steeped in that culture where they just kind of barely bring up something. And we're like, wait, what go, go back. <laughs> what, what are you talking about there? And this
2: is where, I mean, to me, this is where I would say it's really well-written. It's what you're talking about is where you get these little hints of things and it feels genuine and you trust the writer. In this case, I do at least I trust the writer to be like, okay, this is just the tip of an iceberg of a real actual character and their motivations make sense because they're actually lived lives. And they're not like, once again, they're not all good or bad, right? You know, the, the character of the rug, the guy that's doing the rug and Sophia Loren's character are from two different worlds religiously, but that doesn't keep them from being great friends and yeah. and having connections and they're not going to just be a stereotype in either way. And I think that goes with Momo as well. So I think that's the real strength of this movie and people who especially like like well-drawn character dramas, I think are going to really appreciate this movie a lot. That might not be some people's thing. And in that case, you kind of won't probably even watch it because it
0: won't be your thing, you know? Right. No. And Bruce, to your point also, you know, some people who will really want are really craving for just a sweet, sappy, sentimental Mm -mm. thing with all this operatic emotional stuff. They will be disappointed because they, they might want syrup, along with their meal on well, our pancakes but this one is is just completely drive that so i it, look here you're directing your mom who's an icon for this right. movie right what stops you from having the writers put some big monologue for your mom okay to say and you know she could do it within mm-hmm. the framework of this narrative because she's friggin' Sophia Loren okay <clears throat> but in reality madame rosa she doesn't have these showy monologues. This is just, like you said, a well-drawn character and they stayed within those confines. I I think that's, even though this is not a four, this is a three and a half solid thing for me, I I really uh, applaud that it actually just told the story without all that frivolous stuff, which is saying that maybe I should uh really redo my review on Batman. So <laughs> it's a different thing, man. <laughs> I know it's a different thing. I was just kidding. <laughs> but um, anyways The Life Ahead, directed by Eduardo Ponte, headlined by headlined by Sophia Loren and that actor, that young actor like we mentioned who is so fantastic, Ibrahima Guye, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm probably wrong. G-U-E-Y-E opens uh streams on Netflix starting November thirteenth, we all give it a solid recommend. Eric Holmes, we are going to start with you for your first recommendation for Find Your Film.
1: Okay. Uh well, let me pull this up right here. And take for a while to load, and I guess we got a movie from nineteen seventy nine. And still loading up here, nineteen seventy nine. Directed star by Kirk? James Does Bridges? it star? Okay, Jeff Bridges. Okay, I was going to say, does it star Kirk Douglas? No, uh, by- directed by James Bridges. Uh, but it does star Michael Douglas, Jane Fonda, uh, Jack Lemmon, Wilford Brimley, and it's called The China Syndrome. Mm. You guys seen this one? Uh, yes. Never heard of it. This is a movie. Uh, <laughs> I, there's a movie that there's a movie that I kept meaning to bring up last couple uh, last couple episodes, but I keep pushing it back and pushing it back, pushing it back. And now is the time we're going to talk about China Syndrome because this movie is fantastic. First time uh, watching, by the way, first time. No, no, I've, I've seen this movie a couple okay. times now. So you got Jane Fonda and uh, Michael Douglas. Jane Fonda is a news reporter and Michael Douglas is the cameraman. And they're going to a, uh, a nuclear power plant. You know, they're just doing a, hey, we're going to follow the guy. Uh, it's the guy that, I, I forget his name, but he plays the dad in Teen Wolf. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes. But I can't think of his name either. Yeah, I know <laughs> you mean. One of these days I will do homework. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Uh, I didn't write down the IMDb for your movie. (laughs) yeah that's fine but anyway so the dad from teen wolf he's like one of the people that works at the nuclear power plant and he's michael douglas and jane fondos following him around just doing a news piece on it nothing big you know kind of a puff piece because that's kind of what jane Fonda's character is she's the one that oh look what the dog does and there's a squirrel doing skiing you know she's that kind of news reporter but she really wants to get the the real news anywho so they go there and Jack Lemon, he's runs the kind of the control center and Wilford Brimley's in there as well. And he he kind of runs the control center within the nuclear power plant. And Jane Fonda and Michael Douglas have just happened to get there in time when something is going down. And the dad from team Wolf's like, no, this is just a uh, normal. They're just doing a test. And they're looking at Jack Lemon, just sweating his balls off. Like, oh, we're all going to die. We're going to, cause they can't hear him. They can't hear them, but they can see how they're acting. And basically there was almost, almost a nuclear meltdown and they stopped. They were able to stop it in time. And then, you know, things go back to normal. But then, uh, Michael Douglas, like, no, something, something went on there. And then they start investigating. And then the whole, the whole rest of the movie is them trying to figure out what went wrong. Why did it go wrong? And, uh, is there someone to blame for this? And, uh, some may say that, um, and I've heard people say that this is like an anti-nuclear power, you know, anti-nuclear movie. And it's really not. Because when when you watch the movie, you find out that it's not the nuclear power that's the problem. It's people cutting corners in safety that's the problem. Oh, we can't do that. That's going to cost millions of dollars. Oh, we can't do that. It's going to, we're going to have to shut down and it's going to cost us, you know, the, we could be making money, at, you know, that so that that's what the movie is it's uh basically a movie about you you harness this power and it's good i mean nuclear power i think is probably good for um you know society as a whole as long as you can contain it as long as you can be responsible with it uh you know space travel is i think ultimately good for mankind but if you're not gonna check the welds on the spaceship before it takes off, then yep. yeah, maybe that maybe that won't turn out so good. But this is a fantastic movie. Uh Jack Lemmon's awesome, Wilford Brimley's awesome, Michael Douglas, Jane Fonda is it a intense, from Wolf. Is it nail biting? <laughs> yes. Is it it's a suspenseful very, kind of thing, right? That it's, is well, okay. So the opening scene is very nail biting. The part where shit goes down mm-hmm. and then something else happens later on also becomes nail biting the rest of it's kind of uh kind of kind of similar to zodiac not that it's about mm-hmm. a serial killer because it's not at all but like uh what would they call that a procedural kind of thing yeah yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're trying to figure things out so there's not a lot of suspense in that part but there's a lot of discovery there and so really that part's cool. really interesting but yeah when it gets suspenseful it gets really really suspenseful yeah it's and good. Uh, and yeah, Jack Lemmon sells the crap out of that, especially in the in the early scene and towards the last scene, of, you know, later scene of, at that point. But uh, yeah, I would absolutely recommend anyone check this out. Uh, it's called the China Syndrome. I I mean, they mention it in the movie, basically, the China Syndrome is you got a meltdown, and the idea is that it uh, when the uranium, I guess, melts down, it's so hot it burns through the earth that it goes. Yep all the way to China, which is, uh, this is set in Los Angeles. So I don't think that's physically possible <laughs> because it would have to go down the earth and kind of up and over to, I, I I think if you're in Los Angeles and you go straight through the earth, you'll end up at the tail end of, uh, Africa, I believe. So did you see a little this on, added.
0: on DVD? Did you see this on YouTube, Eric,
1: or you rented it? I, I have a, uh I have a DVD of it and I have a, uh, 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 digital copy of it Sweet. so th- 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 this is oddly enough this is a comfort movie for me <laughs> for some reason i i, I really like to uh, get uh suspended out of my pants and it calms me down and Bruce I last
0: yeah bruce
2: when's last time you saw this one? Oh, quite a while probably since it came out uh, maybe well no that's probably not true i probably saw it on vhs in the mid 80s maybe it's probably the last yeah. time I've seen it, but I remember loving it I and I know the type of movie it is which they made so well in the early 80s and, and 70s yeah. that kind of tense conspiracy like almost it's almost like it almost has the effect of almost like a good courtroom drama in that it's like very contained and it's not people chasing in cars, but they still ramp up the tension with just the situation and the acting and that's like Jack Lemon like peak Jack Lemon right there. perfect yeah. role for him. that kind of nervous every man white collar dude that's kind of like being pushed around by something you know that he can't control that's that's him right there I
0: remember Eric I forgot what you were saying I think on one of the previous episodes you were saying that you you might have you might consider down the road doing a uh, find your film director spotlight on filmmaker James Bridges And I was actually looking up some of his movies and I was like, wow, Eric Holmes, really interesting. I was wondering why you wanted to to actually do a spotlight on him. And, but he's done James Bridges. You never really know that name. You
1: basically, he's unknown, even if you're a cinema. Yeah. but but you know, his movies for sure. But what what do you do? Urban Cowboy and Bright Lights, Big City. Bright Lights, Big City. There you go. Perfect. Uh, perfect. Perfect. Text one of them or was that someone else?
0: That was someone that was that was someone else I gotta look who up who who didn't text but he did we, we had a, a conversation several months or maybe several episodes back
1: the paper chase and he directed the paper chase there you go so actually that that was the first time I was gonna bring it up I was like we're, we're gonna bring it up and then I didn't but I'm doing it now so there you go <laughs> so possibly you might be and you know what might wet
0: your appetite to actually possibly down the line um, consider Doing you know do, uh, covering James Bridges is I was looking up the 1984 film he did called Mike's Murder, which mm-hmm. stars Deborah Winger. Okay, yeah. you don't, you never heard of this that, because Me and Bruce were old guys. We we remember this when it actually was released, Eric. And here's the thing, Bruce. I had no idea. I was doing some reading on Mike's Murder. I think it's hard to actually get, or I don't even mm-hmm. know if you can get it on digital. You remember it bombed when it came out. It was pan. yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember much about it
2: other yeah. than it being out.
0: supposedly this deborah winger film is just an excellent movie that just got buried so this is another thing that might be interesting to look into the the life of this director james bridges especially since he died at age 57 in 1993 so his promising career he had all these really cool films like you were saying eric but It was cut short because his last film was Bright Lights, Big City. He died five years later. So that is James Bridges. That is The China Syndrome. It's not available on streaming right now, but like Eric was saying, you can purchase it or rent it on digital. Bruce Berkey, what's your next pick? What's your first Uh, pick? My first pick is a really oddball movie that I just kind of
2: happened across from 1955, although the time period changes from 1953 to 1955 and 1957. But generally, it's called uh, 1955, and it's called Dementia. Also, it's known as Daughter of Horror. Uh, And there is a big difference depending on which one you watch. So uh, it's directed by John Parker. It's less than 60 minutes. So that's a selling point for you guys. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Uh, They described it in a few things as a beat expressionistic horror noir. If that helps, you know <laughs> what it's like. Basic concept is this. It starts. Oh, so here's the big difference though. You want to find dementia, not daughters of horror, in my opinion, because if you get daughters of horror, there is voiceover throughout. Cause this is essentially is a, um, it's a dialogue less movie. It's, it's, it's not a silent movie, but there's really no dialogue in the whole movie. Um, so if you watch Dementia without the voiceover, you get to kind of discover the weirdness a little more organically than having it be kind of told to you what's happening. So anyway, it starts out, you kind of start out with a cityscape and it zooms in on a skid row hotel window with the neon light, black and white. And a woman wakes up and she gets up and she has her you know dress on and she's got this amulet and she goes to the dresser drawer and opens it. And there's a knife inside and she looks at the knife and kind of laughs. And then she walks out of her apartment into the night of Skid Row and her night of insanity or dementia commences. And um, (laughs) it's just weird. It's almost like, I don't know how to describe it. To me, it's almost like a Christmas carol in 50s Skid Row because there's stuff where she has, uh, you know, it's like a morality play, but it's also really pulpy and really like, you know, she gets, she walks along and there's like a, a small man with a, you know, he's a newspaper guy and he drops the newspaper and it says, you know, unsolved stabbings. And she looks at it, you know, and <laughs> you know walks away. So there's all that kind of, it's very dramatic and overdone, but really fun and interesting. And especially when she meets up with uh, Bruno De S- Visota, he's the actor who plays rich man. She basically gets a, uh, into rich man's car and goes off with him. And there's a whole sequence with rich man that is amazing to behold what happens between her and him. Now there's a couple little fun facts. And then if it sounds like your cup of tea, go for it. It's less than an hour. How can you go wrong? A couple weird facts are the director, Adrienne Barrett, who plays the Gaiman, who is the main woman, she's the main person in this whole movie. She was his secretary. She had a bad dream, a nightmare. And they were going to turn it into a short. So he said, okay, you play the woman in the Nightmare and we'll direct a short. But as they went, the short just kept expanding and became this. <laughs> uh, and Bruno Vesota, who was like a, a more experienced actor, he's like the most experienced person on the set. He plays the rich fat man with the cigar, that kind of dude, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he kept having, she's not an actress. So he kept having to do things like tickle her and certain things to get her to laugh, you know, shooting the fake gun offset to like startle her. So he was basically doing all these things like (laughs) William Friedkin things to get her, uh, you know, animated. (laughs) Uh, And then the the only other things I'll bring into this that were kind of fun. um, If you've ever seen the original blob at the end of the original blob, all the kids are in the movie theater when the blob invades the movie theater and the movie that's on the screen is this movie. And if you've ever wow. heard, of, yeah, if you've ever heard of *Dementia 13, which yes, is Francis, had... Francis Ford Coppola's first horror movie, right? They had to name it Thirteen because this movie existed. They didn't know it existed because it was kind of buried and not seen much, and kind of got a cult status. So,
0: well, okay. So, is this movie worth watching because of its cult status, Bruce, or do you think it's just a fun movie to watch? Because I'm looking at some of these pictures; they they're look. It's amateurish, but they look good. These are good looking. It's, it's both. It's it's
2: it's a weird oddity that has like, it has some really interesting stuff that you only get with this kind of movie because you could tell they were kind of making it on the seat by the seat of their pants. So there's things in there that that wouldn't probably be made by it, done by an experienced director. But, but they that still actually... Work. That adds to the charm. Oh, because wow. you, and And then there's some things in here that are actually kind of daring and subversive for that era. Because it's almost, you know, grindhouse level, right? So it could get away with some stuff that you couldn't get with in even the regular standard B movies. There's some violence in here that's kind of like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And there's some sexual stuff that might be happening or it definitely is insinuated. It's kind of like, oh, that, that's kind of weird. Because it's Skid Row, right? So all of the denizens are around. So, yeah, it's fun. I, that's a weird stumble, man. So you said you stumbled on it. How, you, again, it's just... It was somewhere. I was on some website and I just saw a picture of it. And I said, what is this? And I went and searched it out. You could rent it for a couple bucks. It isn't streaming free anywhere that I could find, but... Also, it's one of those movies that exists in a, a ton of forms on like YouTube and other places because it's been redubbed a million times mean, and redone. Yeah. But like I said, you got to be careful. I believe the version that's the right version is like 57 or 58 minutes and doesn't if you get through the first opening scene where they zoom in on the, the window, almost like Psycho, where they zoom in on the window and you hear voiceover, you've got the wrong one. So okay, but it has its own cheesy charm, but I would say don't watch that one until you've seen the
0: original and let it kind of. Did you try the V.O. one, the Daughters of Horror one, and they said, you know what, I'm just gonna go the other way, or did I you- lucked out? I didn't know. Okay, Whoa. I just lucked out. Wow. Okay, cool. That so that is, I was gonna say Daughter of Horror, but it's actually Dementia. So dementia, you, go dementia, don't go Daughter of Horror. It's so funny on IMDb, Bruce. They have Dementia 1955, and the poster is daughter of horror remember daughter of horror is the vo one bruce says go for the one that is not the silent film but does not have all that vo so eric holmes what is your second and last pick for this week
1: all right uh my next one is uh one my brother has been trying to get me to watch since 2011 which is when Uh this came out (laughs) and it's a movie by william eubank on oh the signal no uh love uh, oh love! Music okay. by Angels and Airwaves. Now, I'm not a fan of Blink 182 at all, and Angels and Airwaves are fine. I wouldn't put them in, but if someone <laughs> else is playing them, I'm like, okay, I can handle this. Um, and it, it's basically a um a movie about a guy in space, and he loses contact with Earth, and he they keep doing flashbacks to some. Uh, story going on like world war one or two or something like that um th- as a movie on its own it's not very good but the only reason i brought it up is because i don't think the movie the wall is very good as a narrative but as a movie to do a bunch of weed or take a bunch of acid and just kind of let the movie wash over you this movie's kind of on that same level okay. it, it and i I actually another reason I wanted to even bring this up is I would like to see more movies like this. Take a take a band that you like that has a concept album and build a movie around it. I I just like that idea. And they don't. Again, like I said, The Wall. Everyone knows The Wall. The, the Alan Parker I believe directed yeah, that.
2: Alan Parker and yep.
1: and yeah, I mean, if you're watching it as a a normal movie, it's not good, but. You still want to watch it anyway, because sometimes you want to smoke some weed and you put it on the wall and it's like, oh, this movie's pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you've seen the wall, you know, ad nauseum. Maybe you want to put on something else. I think Love is worth checking out in in that context. If you're gonna if you're gonna put this on and be like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be the best movie, it's not that movie. It, it's it's pretty to look at. And if you like Angels in Airwaves, and it's not it's not a complete music video because the they play the Angels in Airwaves music kind of like score, mm-hmm. so it just kind of accents certain things. I think in the wall they played Pink Floyd more than they did Angels in Airwaves in this, but yeah, it's a it, it it's a neat oddity. And if you're the type of person that wants to do some drugs and kind of kick back and watch something neat, I would check this out. And I would hope that if you're in a band and you have a concept album, find a local filmmaker and just do something cool like this. You know, maybe it's good, maybe it's not, but just make it look pretty and make it fit the music. And yeah, this is a recommend only under very specific circumstances.
0: (laughs) I get that. So love, it's directed by William Eubank. William Eubank, after this 2011 film in 2014, he would release, direct the movie The Signal. Starring Brenton Thwaites, Olivia Cook, and Bo. Let me see what was that guy's name? He's he's a good actor. Bo something. I love Bo Duke
1: from the Dukes of Hazard. No,
0: no, it's uh, yeah, yeah, not Bo Duke. It's uh, Bo nap I love Bo nap as an actor as well. You guys have never seen the Signal? That's sci-fi. That's
2: that's not with Lawrence Fishburne. Yes, that that one. That that one. Yes, I have seen that. Yeah
0: yeah yeah so that's oh you, you've you never seen okay so maybe yeah. that's something that you should ch- I, I don't know bruce you did, mixed did, on the signal just- yeah i would say it's it's
2: good i the way i remember it is it's good it's not great but it's good it's worth watching
1: they also did the underwater with uh, chris and stewart that just came out like oh it, yeah last year or earlier this year Do you like that so, I mean, that's a good b movie yeah the the guy's a good the guy's a good filmmaker and this one look and love looks fantastic like just the visuals look great but yeah Okay. Make sure you have plenty of weed before you go in. Otherwise, it might be a bust for you. But if you're in the mood for the wall, check this one out.
2: I'll give you my short wall thing. This is how we used to do it. Um, <laughs> not describe, disguise, describe any sort of substances. I'll just describe the, the way we did it. was We had two um, tape players. And you know, if you have a tape player, because it's analog, it doesn't always play the same speed. Um, so you'd start the faster one behind the slower one so that about halfway through the wall, they would slowly catch up to each other. So they'd start out out of sync and echo, go into sync and then go back out of sync as we listen to the
1: wall.
0: (laughs) That is an experience. That is an experience. That was fun. That was our little like lo-fi way of doing our trippy
1: experience. Anyway. (laughs) All right.
2: Back in the
0: day. (laughs) That is nice. That is nice. Okay. So you have a couple more Bruce before we get out of here.
2: I'm going to flip the order because I know you've seen one of them. So uh, Greg, at least. So I'll do that one last. Okay. So that way you can hop onto it. But I did finally get around to watch um, one that's been around for a month or so, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, um, which I've been hearing about for quite a while, and I've never got around to watching it. So I thought I better check this out. And I don't know if you ever got to see that, Greg. I know that Anderson saw it. Anderson loves, like, what, Jim Cummings guy? Jim Cummings, yeah. So this is... Jim Cummings' second feature, I believe, after Thunder Road. And he's a very specific style of writer, director, and actor. He writes, directs, and acts in both of the movies I've seen of his. So if you like his style, then you'll be on board. But this is directed by him, starring him, acting him, written by him, and also is the last uh, movie with Robert Forster, plays uh, the sheriff of the small town. He's the father of Jim Cummings' character, who is John. He's kind of like the deputy on the police force there. And then you have uh, the other kind of notable person here is uh, Ricky Lindholm, You may know her from Garfunkel and Oates. She's also an actress and has been in quite a few different roles. She plays a detective on their police force. As you might guess, small snowy town and there is a killing and it looks like it might be a werewolf. And that's kind of the setup of the story. But to get the flavor of this movie, it's a very, very, very specific flavor. And Jim Cummings is like, boy, I don't know how to describe him. Uh, We talked about Coen Brothers earlier. I would say someone who is writing at almost that level not the same style, but almost that level is Jim Cummings. He, he produces a character and a situation in a way that makes you want to rewatch it because there's so much detail in the, in the dialogue and it's so funny and so weird and there's so much packed into every scene that it makes you want to kind of go back and check it out again. And I think the selling point of this movie isn't the werewolf story, although it's fun. But the selling point of this movie is the unraveling. And this is really an unraveling of the Jim Cummings character. Basically you got, (laughs) you know, you got this guy who's already kind of on the edge, having trouble with his wife and his daughter. He's, you know, an alcoholic. So he's trying to like, you know, go to his meetings and he gets presented with a werewolf and they can't figure out or possibly a werewolf and they can't figure out how to solve all these murders and things are just spiraling out of control. And his unraveling is, is, Uh, an amazing and and totally enjoyable thing to watch. I I love this movie quite a bit.
0: You love it. You know, what's weird is a lot of people say Thunder Road is awesome. And they said the second one is still good, but not as good. It seems that you really love the second one though. I did because I love
2: genre movies. So this is like, you take an actor and a style that you really like and throw it in a genre movie too. That's like Mm -hmm. two great flavors for me. So I would say I can easily see people liking Thunder Road even better. And I got to say the beginning of Thunder Road which starts with him, he's police he's a police officer in both of them. The beginning of Thunder Road starts with him at his mom's funeral giving a eulogy and it's about a 10 minute scene and it's one of the most amazing acting and writing scenes that you'll ever see where Have you seen it, Eric? Greg I've oh, no, I,
1: I haven't even seen any of them, but I'll, I'll Thunder Road is it. on
2: Amazon Prime. Watch the first 10 minutes. You will watch
1: the rest because. <laughs> well, yeah, that, wow. I, I was already because I, I heard a lot about this one. And then Anderson mentioned the Thunder Road. So the both of those will be seen by me rather soon. Yeah, Thunder Road is, is, and I won't go into a big review of that, but Thunder Road is a
2: little more serious, but it's very similar. And in fact, I would say the only knock I would say after watching both of these movies is he's playing kind of a similar type of character with similar kind of problems in both movies. I feel like these are demons he's actually working through. <laughs> so it could just be what he's writing because it's what is happening in his life. And I'm fine with that. But after those two, I want to see, I want to see something a little different from him. And I was saying this online to, I think, Andrew Martin. And you'll appreciate this, Greg. When you watch one of these movies, imagine him in a Western. He needs to make a Western like yesterday. He would be... Oh,
0: really? Wow. Amazing. He could make an amazing, interesting west. Well, could you... This Jim Cummings guy, you said you want a little bit of a variation, okay? Mm-hmm. But can he be one of these people like his key... So the character is so indelible where it's like a, a Charlie Chaplin or a Woody Allen. Can he... Can he what I'm saying is does he need to stretch too much or can he just would he would you be fine with him personally just playing a slight variation with each movie? Can he get away with it for more than for another couple of movies he, down the road? He could. He could make that kind of his persona sort of like the style
2: yep. he has, mm-hmm. but I would say he either has to do like Woody Allen where Woody Allen isn't always the star of all of his, like sometimes he's dropped off to the side a little bit, or he just has to make the, the kind of the arc of what's happening to his character be a little different because both of these movies he's basically unraveling and not in exactly the same way and that's why in some ways that's why I kind of like Snow Hollow, Hollow a little bit more because he's got the unraveling but it's also got a werewolf murder mystery so it gives you a whole other flavor in there which is fun oh, on its own right so- I am missing out on this
0: I'm missing out It sounds so much fun I'm surprised. It really
1: is. Mystery alone. I'm surprised <laughs> you haven't seen it, Eric.
0: I, I'm surprised you haven't seen it sooner. I'd, I, I would, I'd, I would think that you would have seen it by now because it's only, yeah. it's only for rental right now. So mm-hmm. that could
2: be part of the reason. And it's not, it's still like five or six bucks. In fact, I rented it. And my wife goes, "That was expensive," <laughs> she said that to me. <laughs> so the next day, my 15 year old, my oldest boy, watched it. I was like, "Okay,
0: I'm getting my money's worth out of it," and he liked it a lot too. So <laughs> very, very cool. And you said, "What is your last one, Bruce?" Before we tease our next week's episode. All right. So Apparently. my last
2: one is a 2018 movie directed by Nicholas Nicolas Nicholas Pesci, mm. Netflix. Yes. And that's the movie um, *Piercing*.
0: And you've seen *Piercing*. Yes, I've interviewed him, and I I loved it. I yeah, you want to talk about it? Is it worthwhile? What do you think? I, I really like this movie quite a bit. Um, but this is a very even more
2: specific flavor, I would say, than I think a lot of people could enjoy like Snow Hollow. But this movie, you got to really be on board for what's going on here. So let's right. describe it really quick. You've got a main character, Reed, played by Christopher Abbott, who we saw yes. in Possessor this year. And he basically is, it starts out, the movie starts out with him and you know that he's on edge. In fact, one of the first shots is him Over his crying baby with an ice pick. And you're like, what is happening here? And then, you know, right? And then very quickly, he leaves to go on business. He gets a hotel room. And you see that he is making his meticulous plans to
0: murder a prostitute. And
2: that is the setup for this movie.
0: That's the entire plot. And then the prostitutes played by Mia Weskowska. Yes. And what makes... I'd, I'm just gonna, we're gonna go back and forth on this. I think what yeah. what makes, because look, Nicholas Pesce, Pesce, or whatever, however, P E S C E, however mm-hmm. you pronounce a guy's name, he's best known. I guess he just really jumped out into the scene as far as if you're a cinephile or you love indie cinema with the 2016 black and white film, The Eyes of My Mother, which I still right. not seen. I have seen it, and I don't like it near as much as this movie. So I'll just say, oh,
1: that. uh, was it, real quick, The Eyes of My Mother, was that that black and white one? Mm hmm came yeah. out like, a, what, like four years ago or something like that? Exactly. Was That that, that was a weird movie. I like that one. It was okay. a weird movie, but... uh, oh, sorry. Go on. No, no.
0: Weird. Okay, well, you liked it. And Bruce, did you, from the eyes of my mother, you didn't like it, but did you say to yourself, maybe after watching it, this person might be able to do something... Yeah, I okay. I didn't hate
2: it, but it had tons of style and it was really interesting. It just didn't quite work for me. This works yeah. a lot better. And it's very stylish in a different way, I think, so...
0: I. Bruce, I wonder I okay, so Nicholas, I didn't see the eyes of my mother. You know his work more than I do. I love piercing because it's a low budget film, but he's doing the entire set design himself. And mm-hmm. I I I was blown away and I am continued I continue to be blown away why more films aren't made in this stylized right. universe. So well, he, and, and this, we
2: talked about a few movies like this, right? We talked about bug and some movies that are very, I mean, this could be a play almost. You could totally imagine this almost being a play. Yeah. It's, it's basically in two main locations, although there's other locations, but two main locations, the hotel room and somewhere else. I won't say where, cause it tells you things about what happens in this movie, yeah. but um, he does so much with those area in that area. And I wanted to mention too, like he is obviously playing with Giallo in this movie, a great deal. Yes. Um, I would have appreciated that movie more after watching Suspiria. Yeah. Yeah. He drops in a split screen in like one of the first, maybe the first 15 minutes There's a split screen. And he is during that split screen is the goblin soundtrack from deep red. Later on, he has some of the soundtrack from Tenebrae plus a bunch of other soundtracks are thrown in there. So this, he knows and there's yellow all over the place in this movie and the poster is yellow. So so you're saying Eric Holmes will go crazy for this movie. Is that what you're saying? I think so. But okay. And we're not going to say too much more other than we talked about the setup, right? You can guess it's a 90 minute movie. It's not going to go exactly as he plans, but you're not, we're not going to say how it does or doesn't go exactly how he plans. But the interplay of what goes on is, is really intriguing. It plays a ton with the idea of gender roles and what uh, fantasy versus what actually is going to happen because this is a big giant fantasy that this guy's created in his mind of this perfect murder he's going to commit. And there's another movie that this is highly related to because this is based on a written work and I don't want to say the other movie that the writer of this also had a movie based on, but if you know it it would tell you something about this movie. Oh, I yeah. can com- I'm completely okay. Okay, so we won't Let's tell, just say but... this. There's a very very infamous Japanese movie from the late 90s that was based on another writing by the same author that this movie is based on. And when you know
0: that it makes absolute sense. Oh, right, 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 right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And you know, to your point, Bruce, it's an hour and 21 minutes. It's beautiful mm-hmm. to look at. If you're a cinephile, you're going to love what Nicholas does with this film. But if you are squeamish, mm-hmm. there's your mm-hmm. viewers. I, Piercing is something that might put you off. We were t- talking about yeah. giallo cinema, you know, sometimes with, with the reds and everything like that. I'm like, I, I've only seen Suspiria. So I, I found it to be violent, but it's just it's the colors, the colors that, you know, it's, it's a beautiful looking movie. Piercing is beautiful to look at, but there are moments where you just get a little bit squeamish. I, I got a yeah. little bit. Yeah. So um, yeah. And I, it's not classic Giallo.
2: It's not a mystery per se, but there's there. It's like, a modern story told through a
0: giallo lens kind of, you know, which, may, which begs a question. I, I interviewed him for piercing. I have not seen the grudge yet. The grudge got a lot of bad reviews Yeah.
1: and you've did. And Oh, okay. So I, Eric just made a face. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see, uh, I didn't, I never seen on, Didn't like the grudge and didn't like the new grudge either.
0: So yeah. th- was there anything redeemable about the new grudge at all for
1: you, Eric? Uh, uh, to uh, quote bruce the cameras were on uh it has sound <laughs> it's 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 dumb
2: it's this, really dumb. this that strikes me i mean, i haven't seen it because i've heard the same things it strikes me that that's probably like he got something he, he was like uh, he was given to direct but it wasn't like his passion project i'm guessing yeah. whereas this feels this, like something that's he's he's on board for this you know
1: yeah yeah then the new uh well uh, the old remake grudge the one with sarah michelle geller i just remember that movie played and then i was like okay that was a movie and yeah and that and i I'd just seen the ring before that and the rings actually i really like that one yep. um and so th- the grudge was like the ring but lesser and then the remake of the grudge was Completely different story. You know, I, there were some parts in it that were kind of cool, but overall, I don't bother. It, it, it's not going to turn you on to Japanese cinema, that's for sure. Well, Piercing is a
0: movie that if you can get past a little bit of the squeamish, the blood stuff, and uh, if you can get past that, there's there's a lot of cinema involved. To, to watch uh it's very really it's really cool stuff especially if you want to make your own film because you might be inspired by how this movie is made for such a low budget but it looks awesome
2: and so. you can't underestimate mia in this movie she she's so great she is about the best i've ever seen her and she's been good in a lot of things but she's really good in this and probably in a way you're not used to seeing her in a lot of movies yes I think. Yes, piercing, underrated film. Did you say streaming? Where's streaming? Or you... uh, it's all, it just dropped on Netflix recently.
0: Oh, just dropped on. Okay, just dropped yeah, on Netflix within the last week. So I was like, oh wait, I remember Greg talked about that a long time ago. I want yeah. to see that movie. So and yeah, I thankfully within the last couple of years, I've I've actually I know a little bit more about Jalo. I wish I saw it now again. Maybe I'll do a rewatch. But when I interviewed him, all I asked him was about a, a De Palma question about how much he loved De Palma. So. Yeah, you know, by the way, every single every single episode I'm gonna just drop the Palma just indiscriminately as I continue to do, but we're not talking about De Palma anymore. We're gonna talk Eric Holmes. Who are we gonna talk about next week when we do our director spotlight for Find Your Film? And why was this your choice?
1: I know the name and I forgot how to pronounce it correctly. Ida Lupino. Ida yes. Lupino? Yes. Uh, yes. And we're doing outrage and on dangerous ground, yes. Outrage on dangerous ground, and maybe or hitchhiker. Or the- so, Hitch- uh,
0: one of those definitely,
1: things. definitely on dangerous ground, and then maybe outrage, maybe hitchhiker. Maybe some of us will do one, and some of us will do the other. We'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, 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 when you when you uh propose on dangerous ground and what to talk about on there, that yes. really excited me. So
0: we're definitely doing that one. And my mother, my listeners my mother she, i don't know she, i don't know if she's gonna hop in next week but she she's adamantly has been nagging me the whole week nagging me in in, in a good way i think nagging me to go see that ida lupino film roadhouse she keeps on on a daily basis so i might have to throw like you said you know it, it
1: seems Patrick weird Swayze is great in that one i love so that good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah on dangerous ground was definitely something that we're gonna cover i'm thinking maybe bruce perky i'm gonna Maybe we might, me and Bruce might have some extra little mm-hmm. homework before the actual spotlight when we do our find your film recommendation next week. We might do a little, we'll uh, tag team on a an uh, Ida Lupino film, The Bigamist, which Eric Holmes covered last week. Okay. So, and yeah. he, you would recommend The Bigamist, even though it's a soapy
1: movie. You I would. You,
0: you it's
1: not really it's not only uh sappy it's kind of kind of realistic i mean as those movies do and it's it's i I did a terrible job of selling that thing last (laughs) week but you know what it It, might be the big and miss is definitely worth watching i'm i'm you know it might be one of those like douglas turkey
0: kind of movies bruce so i know it's not our wheelhouse but it might be something worth checking out but we'll definitely for next week listeners definitely You know what? Maybe you guys do a little bit of homework too. check out maybe Ida Lupino's On Dangerous Ground or The Bigamist, which she stars in and directs in directs as well. But we're going to be talking a lot about her work for next week. Bruce, anything you want to say before we head out? Yeah, go see Fat Man. It's really good. Really good. (laughs) Go see Fat Man. And if you want to check our video, the video version of this podcast, check out Bruce Burke's YouTube channel, Rustemeyer, where there's going to be a lot of movie reviews as well as just asides dripping with sarcasm just like you did right now. <laughs> Eric Holmes, you're going to lead us out on this one. Anything you want to say?
1: I cannot wait to make the Fat Man poster with Bruce's quote that he just said. on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. yeah, yeah, Look, looking forward to Ida Lupino and actually looking really forward to uh watching especially those last two you mentioned. I might I might just have to do an all rewind episode because I still gotta watch the painted bird and uh there, there's a couple of them. <laughs> but 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 I'm like I can't do all by rewinds way, so Bruce, what, maybe I'll just do all rewinds. The painted bird, by the way, it might be might
0: go down as one of my top twenty of twenty twenty. Uh as Bruce is just probably combusting right now just like or you know i expect that from greg but bruce did they really harm animals in the painted bird do you think that those are real
2: i wouldn't be surprised it it might have yeah right i mean
0: there's some there's some really just cruel stuff like uh, not spoiling it for you eric there's some you're talking about animals and everything if you might i don't know what do you think bruce do do you think eric Holmes should go check out the painted bird Considering, Um, i don't think it's
2: not overtly i mean i'm not sure we're not sure they did but i wouldn't be surprised there's some stuff in there that makes it seem like there might i think the thing at the beginning i don't i think i've heard that that did not happen for real okay wow but i remember even when i reviewed it i even said that i thought it was even borderline on the kid like the stuff the kid was put into some situations i thought oh my god Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's something else. Oh, and also, I've been saying this since our first episode back in July. That our, our website, findyourscene.com, it's still in the process of molding, but what we're going to be doing for our podcast, when we're doing a director spotlight, we're going to actually, David Mamet, I have this, Brian De Palma, William Friedkin, all of those directors will be up on the website, and we will be doing updates on all of their on their directors whenever they have a movie coming out, or maybe we will use each of these, like, for example, William Friedkin, if we'll post it on the website, and it'll be a place where you can actually find as much information as you can from said director, or maybe even Alice guy which Eric Holmes introduced to us, and of course, Ida Lupino. So that it, hopefully, that website will be a resource for you guys, for you cinephiles, to look up directors and see what they have made, what they're making, all that kind of stuff. So more to come on that as the weeks ensue. Until then, we will see you guys next week.